Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Last week, the Supreme Court dealt a blow to the Biden administration, imposing sharp limits on the Environmental Protection Agency's authority to regulate greenhouse gases. But while that decision was a setback for EPA, the consequences of the ruling could hamper the whole executive branch moving forward. See, the High Court's six conservative justices invoked something called the Major Questions Doctrine, and that legal tool could potentially be used by Biden's opponents to strike down other executive actions inside and outside the climate space, including energy, abortion, immigration, and even amateur auto racing. So today, we check in with Politico's Alex Guillen to understand what the major questions doctrine is, how opponents are using that doctrine to legally challenge the White House, and the Biden administration's response so far. It's Friday, July 22nd. So, Alex, you have reported on the fallout from the Supreme Court's attack on regulating carbon from the power sector. And you're now finding that opponents of the Biden administration are looking to use the major questions doctrine that was invoked by SCOTUS to target other federal actions from the Biden administration. So can you remind us what that doctrine is and how expansive this attack really is? Yeah, so the major questions doctrine, as laid out by the Supreme Court, basically says that if an agency is taking an action that has major economic or political consequences, that that action must have been clearly authorized by Congress. The idea is that if an agency is doing something dramatic or serious, that Congress has really specifically said they can. Um, as opposed to agencies taking advantage of, for example, a lot of laws include sort of open-ended provisions. And so what happened here was EPA was using one of those open-ended provisions under the Clean Air Act to go after climate-changing pollution. And the Supreme Court looked at that and said, that provision doesn't give you the kind of expansive powers the Obama administration had proposed. A lot of laws contain similar provisions like that, in large part because Congress is a a slow beast. It takes time for them to move legislation. So a lot of the time, in order to take care of potentially unforeseen things, they'll include open-ended provisions, giving agencies some leeway to act. This is the Supreme Court saying that if an agency is going to do something major, that it needs to have had clear authorization from Congress. Right. And so far from your reporting and sourcing, what kind of federal actions are opponents teeing up here and hoping to roll back specifically related to energy and climate change? Yeah, it's only been a few weeks since that Supreme Court ruling, but you would not believe the number of either ongoing regulations or stuff that's already in litigation that opponents are saying, look, this is also a major question. A lot of them are arguing that because it's a very undeferential standard. Under it, the courts have little leeway to give the agencies room if there hasn't been an explicit authorization from Congress. So, It's come up in a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of high-profile stuff that may or may not end up being a major question. One of the most talked about things recently is the Securities and Exchange Commission's proposal requiring corporations to disclose climate risk. Another one that's come up has been this Transportation Department proposal 
that would require state regulators to both measure and work to curb highway emissions. And a lot of people are talking about it when it comes to FERC authority and how they calculate greenhouse gases when they're approving pipelines and LNG export projects and that kind of thing. But it's actually coming up in a lot of other lawsuits and challenges. So, for example, EPA has proposed an asbestos ban, and Texas Secretary General Ken Paxton is arguing that that violates major questions. He's also brought up major questions in a lawsuit he has against the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and its licensing of a waste disposal site in Texas that he opposes. It's also come up in EPA's ban on disposable hydrofluorocarbon containers. And also racing enthusiasts have brought it up, amateur racing enthusiasts. There's a lawsuit over EPA's rules barring tampering of vehicles that are used in amateur racing, off-road amateur racing. So my point here is that when you look at the very long list of stuff that's coming up, there's an argument to be made that the SEC disclosure rule is a major question, and maybe some of these other rules. I think it's a little bit more tenuous when you start talking about things like the disposable container ban at EPA or the amateur racing tampering rule. Those are significantly more attenuated rules. And of course, every rule is important to someone, but the Supreme Court in its ruling a few weeks ago did say that this really should only apply to extraordinary cases and not every case can be extraordinary. Yeah, so there's a lot there being thrown at the wall. So do we know how the Biden administration is expected to defend itself in these cases? Yes, we've gotten some early indications. Primarily, they're pushing back so far just in the idea that these things are major questions or that they would fall under that doctrine. And they made a few other arguments as well as to why it's not major questions. What we're going to have to see is how do the lower courts interpret all this? There's some disagreement over whether or not the Supreme Court gave clear enough guidelines for the lower courts to figure this out, but that's who will be figuring it out in the near future. I wouldn't be surprised in the coming years if we see some of these cases again boil up to the Supreme Court for further guidance and further clarity on the reach of this. But for now, this is the go-to citation for anyone opposing a Biden administration regulation. Call it a major question and do everything you can to prove that it is, in fact, a major question, because that makes it much more likely that you can get it tossed out in court. Yeah. And so moving forward now, how does this ruling impact the Biden administration's whole of government approach, this well-documented mantra that they've used to describe how they're really throwing everything at fighting climate change? Is that kind of in jeopardy now, that entire approach? So the issue here is that the Supreme Court didn't just stick to the text of the Clean Power Plan. They cited things like White House fact sheets and press releases that were talking about how the rule was going to be this transformational, huge step forward, major action on climate, we're changing the power sector. All of that language to indicate that this really is a major rule that's making a severe change to a major economic sector. And that was all evidence that they cited. So no longer are they just looking at the text of what an agency is doing. They're looking at what the agency is saying in public about it. And so for the Biden administration, they have been using this term whole of government a lot to describe the broad strategy of not just relying on a handful of EPA regulations to combat climate change, but in getting lots of other agencies to do their part as well. And so if they continue to talk about it that way, I think that could potentially be an avenue of legal attack for opponents of regulation.
Also, on Thursday, the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee deadlocked 10 to 10 along party lines to clear a nominee to a key position in the Interior Department. That sets up Laura Daniel Davis's nomination as Interior's Assistant Secretary for Lands and Minerals Management for a potential confirmation vote in the full Senate. Still, Thursday's hearing became pretty heated as Republicans attempted to pin blame for the rise in gas and oil prices earlier this year on President Joe Biden's energy policy. For context, the Interior Department has approved more permits to drill on public land than in the previous several administrations, but has been slow to hold oil and gas lease sales. The department has also increased the fees companies would have to pay for the oil and natural gas they produce on public land. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Nirmal Malaykal is the podcast producer. Raghu Manuvalan edited the show this week. Jenny Amit is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.